Hey friends, and welcome back to this week's episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. I'm your non-diet dietitian, trainer, and host, Katie, and this is episode 235. Now, I'm so excited for you to listen to this week's episode. We are back with our client spotlight series. Today, I interviewed my wonderful client, Amanda. We dive deeper into her story with food, with movement, with her body, and where she's been, where it's gotten her to where her, where she is, and what's next, especially after diving deeper into intuitive eating with our one-on-one coaching. Now, if you have questions about working together, you're interested about the Reboot Bootcamp, we invite you to join our totally free training. Go to katiehake.com forward slash masterclass. We break down the four-step process of the Reboot Bootcamp, and I hope by doing these client spotlight series, you really get a feel for understanding how everyone's journey looks different. Even if we all read the intuitive eating book and we took in all the same information, we all have different and unique experiences around food, around our body, and that's really important. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. And if you want to chat more, join our free private community. We'll put the link in the show notes and talk to you soon. Welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour, a podcast about all things nutrition, fitness, and life in your 20s and 30s, all from a non-diet lens. I'm your host, Katie Hake, and I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist and certified personal trainer. Join me here every week as I talk with interesting people and experts from all walks of life about their relationship with food and their bodies. I'll also share my experience working with clients in my private practice to help women find food freedom and body confidence. I'm on a mission to help you stop quantifying and start living. Learn to stop measuring your success by the scale and find your fears. Amanda, so good to see your face again. How are you? So good. Ready for Thanksgiving. Before we hit record, we, Amanda and I could talk forever, I feel like. So I said, let's just hit record. Let's start talking because we're going to cover all these things <laughs> as we go. So, so yes, yeah, so today at the time of this recording, it is the day before Thanksgiving. So just start by telling us who you are, what you do, what's, you know, where did your story with food start? Sure. Uh, I'm Amanda. I am a management consultant, which to the mass public generally translate to a <laughs> professional generalist, uh, a very fast paced professional generalist. Um, so, and my journey with food, I think food has always been, food and I have always had a contentious relationship uh, throughout the course of my upbringing. And a couple years ago, I discovered this thing called intuitive eating and was like, huh, I wonder what that's about. I read the book. I decided it's really hard to, uncover and work through food and exercise trauma independently. And I went through various paths to find my community to help me through that. And now I'm kind of on the other side. I think it's a ebb and flow, um, but I'm certainly identify as an intuitive eater at this point in time. Yeah. Lots we're going to cover today talking about those ebbs and flows. And so let's start with just you know, gosh, start from the beginning. Like what was food like growing up for you? You know, is it something that you always 
struggled with? Let's start with the food piece and then we'll talk about the movement piece. Yeah. Um, food was like a, a central part of my life growing up. I am Jewish. So a lot of our culture revolves around food for different holidays and, you know, the very typical Jewish mother stereotype of eat, 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 but make sure it'll look perfect uh, was very present in my life and not only my life, but uh, for generations before me. So it was just passed down uh, body criticism and food criticism unintentionally um, just kind of thought it was the normative environment to to be quote unquote healthy. Um, so that's what I grew up in. Um, and it's very much, you know, mirrors that of the general public that I continue to socialize around. Now I'm lucky in that like my group of friends now as an adult truly have this magical group of women who don't talk about food. Um, a rarity. Hold on to those friends. <laughs> a rarity, yeah. Um, <laughs> So it's, I, you know, I've been able to cultivate an environment away from that, but that's certainly my roots, mm -hmm. very body critical, very food critical, and a little bit of, you know, I have two older brothers and, and dinner time was a mad rush to get the helpings before it ran out or before they reached their forks over to your plate. So a lot of lack of consciousness around food. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think what you just shared too, that almost like that double standard is so common in many cultures as well. This, you know, we're going to feed you food. Food's going to be a focus, a lot of the, for a lot of events, a lot of gatherings, but on the flip side, watch what you eat, watch, mm -hmm. watch your figure, right. Kind of this, these really conflicting messaging. So on the flip side, then what was movement like for you growing up? Movement was also a complex uh, relationship. I am naturally very active. That being said, I had an injury at a very young age. I was four years old when I had my first knee injury. And then it continued to spiral from there. So, you know, on and off crutches for the most of my elementary school, a couple surgeries through high school and still some limited movement to this day. So exercise was really more about recovery, focused recovery than it was playtime or enjoyment or competition or stuff like that. I just seemed to always get hurt when I was in the things that typical kids experienced exercise through. That like rehabilitation. And we've talked a lot about that of like, gosh, even as a, as a kid, it, it wasn't so much play. It was kind of like, well, am I going to get hurt doing this or right. is this safe? Yeah. Yeah. So, so definitely how, a tense relationship. Yeah. So how did that evolve, you know, through kind of teenage years, post-college into kind of how you're, you know, a working adult, like how did that ebb and flow was, I, th I would just, I had a podcast interview before this and she talked about like befores and after, like there's these periods of times in our life where it's like before this, so I'm thinking of like before intuitive eating, after intuitive eating kind of thing. So walk us through like that before. Yeah. You're saying how did the journey with exercise evolve? Well, let's start with like the, the food piece. Yeah. Food piece. Okay. How did it evolve? Like, like what, you know, between the food and, and movement piece, like how did you get to this point of embracing intuitive eating maybe, or, or even recognizing like, you know, stumbling upon that book or yeah. Well, I'll tell you the story of how I stumbled when, how I found intuitive eating and it yeah, was actually, please. 
You're one of the few people who remembers. I feel like so many people I talk to about intuitive eating, they can't really remember or pinpoint oh, really? like how they found it, which is so funny. Oh, it's such a distinct memory for me. I remember where I was standing. Like, <gasps> Please it, tell us. It, yeah. So I um, was on Instagram and I was looking at this girl I'd been following for a while and she had all of my favorite snack food. She would have goldfish and Oreos and, you know, chocolate covered almonds and all these things that I couldn't have in my house, right? Or like would have for a minute and then throw them all away and stuff like that because I felt like I couldn't control myself. Um, and she would have them in the the most appropriate little portions and talk about how she was satisfied and it was why she was eating the things she was eating. And I was like, what is this girl? How, how do you get like that? Like, I just assumed, to be honest, I've assumed that throughout my life, like, oh, it's just, you were raised like that. You're raised like that. You were born like that. That's it. Like that's the relationship with food you're going to have. And yeah, that's it. And then I learned through her account that she uh, was discovered intuitive eating younger and she was actually in school to become a registered dietitian. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, you can learn that. And then I ordered the book and I remember reading the introduction, the introduction. And that's like where my whole life shifted. I was like, oh, like you don't have to control everything that goes into your body. You don't have to aspire for a certain body type. You can trust your body and, and, and be in tune with that and feed it what it needs to be fed and, and be one instead of these two bot battling entities, which is what it had always felt like to me. It was like mind versus body. Like, no, you're not hungry. It's like, actually I am hungry and you have to feed me. Yeah. How do you remember how old you were or what like time season of yeah, life? It was it 2018. Was? 2018. Um, okay. Yeah. I was, I just graduated graduate school. I was about to go on this um, big road trip between then and when I was starting my job. So it was like three and a half years ago. And so I remember, cause I was visiting some friends on this road trip and I remember calling them and being like, Hey, just so you know, like I might have some weird like eating things that I'm going to be doing. Cause I was doing like, I was experimenting with unconditional really permission funny. to eat. And at that time, my like fear food was Nutella. And so I would allow myself to have Nutella when I was hungry. And that could be at any time in the day. Just so I, you like, know. I might just have a banana with some Nutella. Just so you know, I'm going to carry this uh, jar of Nutella. For me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. don't worry about me. Yeah, I'll be fine. Uh, but oh, I'm really so funny. encouraging great friends who are like, what's this book you're reading? Can I have it? Yes, please. I'm curious too. And we've talked, so we've had a lot of conversations, you and I just about, you know, like family dynamic and, you know, kind of stepping into this and this, you know, ambivalence between intuitive eating and, and not, it sounds like when you heard this, it was also this, wow, I can kind of rewrite my story. How did that kind of, you know, epiphany, if you will, how did that impact kind of other areas of your life or did it in that moment or not really, you don't know? No, I did. I, you know, I think I became, I don't know how to really say this, like a preemptive advocate for younger generations. Mm -hmm. Like in what I, ways? I realized that you can have control over these environments. If you're not comfortable with people commenting on bodies, you can say that. You can say, you know what? I'm just really 
I just don't feel like we need to have this discussion about this person's body or anybody's body for that matter. I'd appreciate if you took that language away from me. And in doing so, you know, if it came down to it, I could protect my nieces in that way. I could protect, you know, any young kid that I wish I was. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, Goosebumps, that would be chills. really nice. Yeah. I just, I never understood you had control over it. I never, it never clicked to me that you could, you could take it and you can make it your own. Cause you've been, we've talked about this too. Like, I feel like you just do such a great job or, and I'm, have you always been this way or has it been part of this journey of being able to vocalize? Has that been something that you've had to kind of self-coach and practice of being able to set those boundaries and have those uncomfortable conversations, especially with people who don't get it, who are really stuck in diet culture? Yeah, that's a hard one because when it comes to I feel statements, I can do that, right? I can say, I don't feel comfortable having this discussion. I don't think it's right to talk about that person or, you know, you know, I prefer not to talk about diets, et cetera. My family knows that I've set that boundary. It was a pretty easy conversation because I framed it as I'm going through this. I feel this where I get, I still get tripped up on is when people push me into asking like, well, that can't be healthy. Or, you know, like, what is it that is so great about giving yourself unconditional permission to eat? If I did that, I would eat the whole supermarket or whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I lose that data. I can only talk from the I feel perspective. And, And that's been, I think growing up, one, I grew up with a psychologist as a father. So I think that helped. And two, I think growing up in a way that I had to be an advocate for myself physically. Mm. Hey, gym teacher, I can't do that today. That's not a position that's comfortable for my knee, my body. Mm -hmm. I'm more able to advocate for myself in that way. Yeah. It felt more natural from the movement side of things because you had to out of just, you know, day to day. Right. So when it, when you're trying to, yeah, like you said, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's easy when you're saying, this is how I feel. This is what I experience. But then it sounds like you've been able to open up some of those conversations for people that now they're becoming a little bit more in depth or people are curious or open to having more of those discussions where I think for some people it's like, they don't even go there. Yeah. Well, there, there are certainly some people that are like, okay, I respect that. That's a you thing. And they won't talk about their dieting in front of me, or they won't, you know, overtly practice those behaviors in a way that impacts me, Mm -hmm. but they still make, you know, I wish I, I, so I think this is my problem, Katie. I want everyone to be an intuitive eater and I (laughs) want to be both. (laughs) I, I just want someone to have the same epiphany I had when I tell them about intuitive eating, I tell them about the benefits. I tell them about why I don't talk about other people's bodies or my own body or why I don't put diet rules in place, et cetera. Like, I want them to be like, yeah, I want that too. Let me read the book. I want like, let's all do it together. So I think that's what I struggle with. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So everyone around me responds well. I think where my, where you're hearing my like, you know, I have struggles with, I think it's because what my struggle is that not everyone is bought in and I want everyone to be bought in because it is life-changing. Let's talk about that because I feel that in my bones, (laughs) (laughs) I bet. first of all, but I think the reality is that there's, there's people, there are people, there will be people who no matter how much 
data they have, how much they, they will stick by that belief that this won't work for me, or this can't work for me, or it's possible for you, but it's not possible for me. Yeah. I have those people in my life for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how have you been able to kind of navigate that? Or is that something that you're still just like wrapping your head around of like, oh my gosh. I think I still struggle with it. Yeah. I still struggle with that a lot. I, I want, I don't know. Maybe wait, take a pause here. <laughs> the question is, because I'm trying, I like I'm stuck on one person in my mind and I'm like, what are we? Um, the, remind me of the question. How do you handle? We we do this a lot in in general in our sessions. Well, hold on, wait. Bring me back. Bring me back. We're we're on. We're in a very good place. Where did we? Where do we start? Where are we going? How how do you just handle those situations? So so let's talk through just a real life scenario. Maybe there's a certain person that you're talk that you're thinking of who is they're stuck and they're you've told them you want them to embrace it, but they're just, they're either not interested or they're against it. Like, how have you been able to take care of yourself in those moments and kind of still keep that relationship uh, fruitful with that person? I like that you asked, how do you take care of yourself in that? Because I do feel sometimes that when, when people are like, oh, well, that's, very nice pat on the head. That's a you thing. Like, I don't believe in that. It does feel personal to me Mm. uh, because this is not just like, Oh, I'm trying keto. You should try it. It's, it's a part of my identity Mm -hmm. at this point. And it feels like a snub in a way. Mm -hmm. Dismissive. Yeah. And so how do I deal with that? I try to share my wins. I try to share my information. I have one person in my life that, you know, very interested, very supportive, uh, just not, doesn't take things on the same way I do. And so Mm -hmm. I've shared with them articles, podcasts, things that are more on their level of, of learning and Mm -hmm. interest, um, in the hopes that, you know, I'd be lying if I said in the hope that the hope wasn't eventually that they would be, that they would buy into intuitive eating, Mm -hmm. but really it's in the hopes that, um, they can understand the factual nature of it Mm -hmm. because that, that's where I get the most pushback is the, is the factual nature because diet culture has brainwashed everyone into Mm -hmm. thinking, you know, well, uh, eating only nine hours during the day or, or, you know, eating only high fat, high protein or whatever it may be is going to change your life. And that's the healthiest way to go about whatever. And I say healthy in quotes. So just providing them with avenues to learn their own facts rather than me being the carrier of that. Mm -hmm. And I think eventually. So, So giving yourself permission to not have all the answers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I am someone who like blacks out research as soon as I read it. So I'm not the person <laughs> like, I'm like, wow, that was so fascinating. Right. Like, um, I'm, I'm sure you've read anti-diet. Mm-hmm. Such yeah, a good so one. Yeah. All the data in there. I was like, wow, wow, wow. Like every page I was like, wow, wow, wow. And then I, when I was telling people about the book, I was like, uh, I have to yeah. read it. <laughs> Tongue tight. I don't know. Here you go. Yeah. You can Google it. Yeah. So giving, giving yourself that permission to not have all the answers, to provide resources when you feel it's appropriate. What do you, what's that signal for you to go, okay, I'm finding myself like 
overstimulated or getting kind of fired up or frustrated, like what do you do in those moments to kind of take care of yourself from that perspective? Like you identify, for example, that person who they're not changing their ways anytime soon. How are you able to move on? Do you find yourself holding on to it? You know, it's funny because I think at a certain stage in my intuitive eating journey, I would have went, leaned into unconditional permission to eat in a very non-intuitive way. And then like, see, I can eat all, like, see, you know, proving them wrong. I'll show you kind of behavior. At this point, I just kind of am happy with having, you know, I, I just do my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel it. And sometimes I'll just have to leave the conversation or just say, okay, well, we'll circle back to this or, you know, that's not your thing. That's okay. Um, because I am fragile as is anyone. And this is something that's important to me. And I don't really love being drilled on it. So if the conversation leads to that way, I just kind of have to step out of it. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like in, what's your opinion on, do you feel that diets are almost like politics in some situations? Like (laughs) it's an interesting, like, uh, you kind of learn to know who to talk with about it. Who's safe. Where yeah. you feel comfortable, you know? Yeah, I actually think that's a pretty good analogy. I mean, there are people, quote unquote, on the other side of the spectrum mm-hmm. that I am comfortable with talking. I'm not comfortable necessarily debating, uh, mm-hmm. but comfortable sharing both perspectives. And then there are ways in which I get connected to my side of the spectrum mm-hmm. through mainly through mm-hmm. social media and through, you know, reading and staying attuned to things like that. Mm -hmm. Shifting gears a little bit, how, you know, how has learning about intuitive eating, right? Cause you, you, you read the book before you started working with a dietitian. Mm -hmm. So how did, you know, food evolve for you as you started working, as you, you know, started living with somebody else. And then let's, I also want to hear about when you got your sweet pup, how that shifted (laughs) things. When did my world turned upside down? Um, <laughs> so first part was, you know, growing up working. So it's it's coincidental that I read the book right before I started my current full-time job after a hiatus of working, right? Because I was in graduate school. I mentioned earlier, I'm a consultant, which at the time meant traveling at least twice a week, you know, sleeping in a hotel three nights a week eating whatever breakfast they served at whatever hour they did and rushing around and all of that. So it was a struggle at that time because I didn't have control of exploring the nutrient side of things because I had no control over, I guess I did, I could have. Um, but at that time I was just adjusting to what this craziness life was. Mm -hmm. And then, um, just trying to give myself permission to eat when I was hungry and not when I was full and, Etc. Um, so that's really what the, the start of that journey was like for me. Mm-hmm. When I decided to work with yourself, I was realizing that I just had no idea about any nutrients. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I read the book, you know, like I understood the, the concept of a balanced plate, but I wanted to understand more about like what they did and, and, and why you would balance and what you actually need and et cetera. So, um, the last phase of that journey was really about 
building in those nutrients. And in doing so, I was much more connected to my fullness and my satiation. And now I feel like I'm able to be like, okay, what I know I'm going to have this interview with Katie at one o'clock. I should eat something beforehand. What will that look like? What's going to sustain me, but it's not overfilling that won't make me sleepy, et cetera. Like I can think through that in a much more objective way. Whereas before it was very much, I I think I've described this to you in the past, like eating was like swirly. It was like, everything was just like quick and panicky and like, get it in before it's gone or, you know, it's fine. It's bad. It will be gone quickly or, you know, not bad in bad food quality, but like quote unquote bad for you. Would, would you agree that it took some time or right? Cause when you initially reached out, yeah, it was more of this. I want to focus on nutrition, but I think as we started working together too, there were, there were still because of the season that was, well, (laughs) cluster cluster (laughs) of, of the past few years, like, would you agree that there were still some food rules and things that popped up where we Mm -hmm. almost had to pump the brakes a little bit of, well, why are we focusing on this nutrition piece? You know, what were, do you remember what some of those things that came up for? Like I use that word swirly because I know exactly what you mean when you say that's what it feels like, right? It's just like, but we kind of like sift through the muck a little bit Mm -hmm. and that like, okay, pause. We're not going to talk about gentle nutrition right now. We're going to pause. We got to, we got to sift through this muck. And then we'll come back to it. Yeah. Well, thank you for checking me on that because you're absolutely right. I did come to you to talk about gentle nutrition and you were like, yeah, you're not ready yet for that. <laughs> Let's talk about your food rules. And um, what I, I I think I had some, I was like leaning way too hard into balanced mm. plate. I remember like yeah. not wanting to have any snack or anything that wasn't like carb and protein or carb and fat. And like, I was kind of just like, is this enough fat? Is this balance? Like, and you're like, just, you know, does it, is it filling you? Are you good? Like, just try. I remember one time you told me I just, oh, I think I was like going to a beach vac- beach day with my parents. And I was like, I don't have any like, you know, balanced foods I can bring with me. And you were like, well, you can just eat you know, the carrots, or you can just eat an apple, like you don't need the other part if you don't feel like you need it. And like, yeah. you can always find something like that. And I was like, oh, it was almost I, this, I feel like I was always stressing. Yeah, it took it took a lot. Um, some experimenting, I think, to find yeah. that sweet spot, would you say of, you know, I can incorporate gentle nutrition, but it also checking myself when I'm turning it into another rule, or, yeah. or rigidity. Uh, but then I think, I think definitely too, I mean, gentle nutrition is an ongoing intuitive eating is an ongoing thing for everybody, but or everybody who chooses to come to the side, right. Which should be but, everybody, which, which should be everybody, <laughs> but we all started here. Just come on back. Yeah. Full right. Circle. Right. Don't you want to live most of your life free of all of it? Okay, but then anyway. also, I think you, we got just a really good place to where you, it was safe. It was easy for you to talk about nutrition from a much more neutral lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just said something that, that is now gone out in my mind, but I, it, it brought up, oh, the, the, one of the food rules that I had that I think was blocking me from leaning in that I didn't know I had, but you, but I remember you challenging me on the, like, wait, pause. What did you just say? Uh, which was, like, I was like, oh, well, you know, I had breakfast at 10. So, you know, I knew I was hungry at noon, but I waited until one because there's no way I could have been hungry two hours later. And you're like, why? 
<laughs> like your body's <laughs> telling you you're hungry. Pay attention. So I wanted to mention that. And now I've lost your, your question. So here Just we are. Just how we got to a space where being able to come back to that gentle nutrition felt a lot more neutral. Cause do you, do you remember there was even a time where we were going to revisit, you had certain health things came up where we talked about, and it was like, wait, pause. Let's not, let's not worry about that right now. We can come back to that at a, at a different time in a few weeks and it'll be okay. Yes. Yeah. And I think that has given me permission to say, you know what, this is overwhelming to me at this time. Here's the small snippet I'm going to take for this week. And then if I'm feeling more like that is good and I'm ready for the next step, I will take another snippet next Mm -hmm. week and then we'll make a habit out of that. I think, and this is similar to how I felt around dieting, Mm -hmm. um, which is there's too much information. I have no idea what it's saying. Everyone's saying something different, which is not the way I felt here, but it was just, I think I had been conditioned to be overwhelmed by the information that I was, that was in front of me. Like I'm thinking about like, you know, there were certain times we were experimenting with like more fiber, more fish oil and like things like that. And I was like, hold on, like, okay, I can have more fish or I can have these little things, but I can't do all of it yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and giving myself the permission to slow down and take it at my pace has enabled me to make sustainable practices. Yeah. Instead of, instead of taking the full 10 principles, the whole, the whole 10 book and going, okay, implement it, <laughs> yeah. step, you know, <laughs> downloaded steps, now time to steps one deploy. through 10 all yeah. at once. You, you were able to recognize where that feeling of being, of having to do it all at once came from and apply it to the gentle nutrition piece of going, hold on. Yes. All these things are important to me. Yes. All these things will help X, Y, Z, but I don't need to do them all at once. It's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that I think we mentality. took a similar approach to exercise too. It was like, okay, well, you know, you're not going to want to work out all these days of the week, just do what's right for you. And then you can inch it up when you're stronger and like, you're like, Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> Oh, okay. Got it. You make it sound so easy. Let's, yeah. let's shift there a little bit about your, your journey with movement, because that was a really important piece when you came to me as well. Like you mentioned, because of your history around movement and fear of getting injured again and, you know, moving your body in a way that felt comfortable, but also safe. How, how has that journey been over the past year, few months or so, I guess. Yeah. And I'm realizing I forgot to answer your question, which will make sense in a second about (laughs) the dog thing, because that has shifted my relationship with exercise. But I'll tell you, so leading up to the time of working with you, I had gone the full spectrum, right? I had gone in elementary school being mostly injured, high school, I was on the tennis team, college, I was rowing, after college, I was working out a whole bunch, but not feeding myself well and not working out for the right reasons. And I was getting injured, et cetera. Um, and then fast forward to before I was working with you and it was during COVID, I was like, I just can't find the thing that makes me want to be consistent in it. Nothing is because I have ADD. So I need things that are like short and intense. Mm -hmm. Um, that is my personality. It's like Mm -hmm. quick and to the point, let's go. (laughs) And so I don't think I ever like talking about what we said before of like 
advocating for yourself and feeling comfortable about that in terms of your boundaries. I think the same thing goes for what you actually need. So I had never thought to just be like, well, Katie, I actually need like a 20 minute start to finish program. Mm -hmm. like, I can't do more than that because I don't have the attention span and I don't love wearing shoes, working out, like all these things. Like I just were like, okay, I'm going to ask for this and see what we, what we get out of it. And one thing that I remember you told me is like, well, you know, your mornings can be for you. Like you can take that time because at the time I was working that crazy busy schedule and you're like, mm -hmm. well, you know, think about your mornings as your gift to yourself, the time that you're dedicating to yourself. And I was like, okay. And that really helped. And I'll transition now to talking about post kind of post you, but really, I think I got Skylar, my dog when, when it was I, like I was working with you. Yeah, it was like I, I remember. I remember vividly because it was we had never talked about a dog or pets at all, and then all of a sudden you're like, "I'm sorry, I, I can't." I think you get kind of cancel or something. Like I'm flying or picking up the dog off a plane or something. And I was like, "What? Okay." It was week. an impulsive decision to get him, <laughs> and I did pick him up from the airport. So I was sure, like, "What? Whatever sure brings you, you joy, fill me in next time, I guess." <laughs> Oh God. But, but going on the movement piece, right. It, oh, took, yeah. it took a lot of trial and error and then mm -hmm. you got a dog. So yeah. tell us how, that, it, how the dog uprooted the my up. trial and error uh, <laughs> things because my mornings then were dedicated when he was a puppy puppy. My mornings then were about taking him out and making sure that he had the appropriate structure and he had the appropriate playtime. And that was true for the first, like, two, three months of having him. And during that time, I remember, I think we were still working together or doing like little check-ins once a month or something. And during that time I was like, yeah, like my exercise is not really, like I was in a really good place. I was working out consistency. I consistently, I felt strong. And then the dog happened and I was like, I just don't have time for myself. Like I felt like a new mom, not, you know, not comparing a dog to a child, but it was, but a new was, dog mom, a new, sure. new dog mom for sure. And a it new was transition. Exhausting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, gave myself, I think with the help of you permission to give myself grace in that moment. And like, this is just, like you said, a new transition, like it's okay. You'll start back up when you start back up. And now Mainly, to be honest, most of my exercise is walking him. We go for two one-hour walks a day. So it's like a, a lot of to say That's a lot. Time. That's it's probably, lot. that's definitely more than when we yes, no, <laughs> first I, met. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had, I had been walking like an, most an hour a day when we met as like after work cleansing time. Mm -hmm. If I had the time, otherwise, oh yeah, I bought a treadmill desk. I remember. Yeah. Um, but now, so th now that's the bulk of my exercise. And I'm also going through some new orthopedic problems. So I'm, again, giving myself grace and saying, okay, strengthening is not your journey right now, but you are inadvertently strengthening by walking. So go ahead and do that. And like, sometimes if I'm on a meeting, I'll grab my little light dumbbells and give myself a go for that. And like, yeah. okay, that's it. That's, that's your full body right now. Mm -hmm. And I think the one thing I wanted to mention about the dog is I'm motivated to do that. He's a good reminder of what's healthy, right? Because he's mm -hmm. just so pure in his needs. He's not distracted by all the noise, right? He's very much like, this is what I need, mom. Give it he's to me. Baby. He's yeah. a baby. Yeah. And he's, you know, dogs are just like, this is their whole life. Mm -hmm. So I, when I discovered that 
giving him that movement in the morning helps him throughout the day, therefore helping me throughout the day. I was like, oh, this is amazing. And it became true for myself too, right? Like dedicating that time to get outside, to do walks, to, to feel my body with each step and to like wake up the achy joints. Like that's become my joyful movement in this phase of my life right now. And I'm, I'm into it. Like I actually just got back from a walk right before this call. What a journey. You've had so many aha moments. I feel like, especially with that movement piece. And uh, it makes me so happy. First of all, just to hear you say that, like, not, not that you're having more orthopedic injuries, but to hear you say, I'm going to be okay. This is how I'm navigating. Like, I feel good about how I'm navigating it. And I also know that this can change Yep. and being okay with that, having that grace. Yeah. You have to, right? Like you. Yeah. Well, what would you say to, do you have any advice for somebody who maybe is struggling to find that, that consistency one because of life, but maybe two, because of just pain and just the body of where it's at right now. Yeah. Uh, I think the three things that are important to me, or maybe they're not three. Let's see. Let's see what they number out to be. (laughs) Hold on. Let me count. Yeah. (laughs) Find an environment that feels supportive and safe for you for a while. For me, that was working out two videos in my own living room with no one around me to see how I was modifying, et cetera. The other thing is, and that can also be like working with someone like yourself who understands exercise and can customize plans for the person who might be struggling or I'm, I'm, I think I'm more right now talking about the, the pain and the orthopedics. So that's, that is the main thing for me. My body is not very consistent in, um, in its pain. It's not predictable. Yeah. 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 It's not, it's not predictable. And so consistency means something different for me than it does for a fully able-bodied person. Mm -hmm. And so, um, creating the environment, surrounding yourself with the right people in that environment, giving yourself grace to redefine what consistency is and finding that thing that's joyful and mostly pain-free regardless of your other goals. Right. So like keeping that, like if and when I get, if and when I get the clearance to, you know, do more concerted exercise, I still want to make time for these walks that I've discovered to be so joyful for me and, and generally pain-free because then what I think would happen, and I haven't been in this position yet, but when that more concerted exercise gets taken away from me, which often it does when you're struggling with orthopedic trauma, Mm -hmm. you still have your baseline that brings you joy. And -hmm. I think that's important. That's a great, that's really great tip. I, I, and I love that you've been on this journey to, to find that is taking a lot of (laughs) trial and error. And a dog and, and, a, and a dog getting yep. a, having your world flipped upside down to navigate it. But you, you know, yeah. Finding that baseline and redefining consistency. That's, I think that's huge. Yeah. Redefining what it looks like to you. What's important to you. Like you said, what is your kind of motivators or what you gather, especially from movement in, mm-hmm. in the eating spe- space, yeah. what matters to you in this moment? And leaning into what, like the thing I keep 
when I'm in these joyful moments, what I think about most is how natural it feels. So trying to tune down the noise so that you can understand what feels naturally joyful for you. Mm. How do you turn down the noise? That's hard. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's also trial and error, right? Like what is the noise to you? Um, For me, it was diet culture um, and exercise culture and, and stepping away from that. And I think in a way COVID was a gift because, because I wasn't surrounded by people. You were a gym goer for a while. You were a class goer for a while there. Yeah. I was a class goer. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. to be honest, Katie, like I was in pain during those classes. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't, Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't joyful. Um, Yeah. We talked a lot about that and not feeling safe in some situations to talk to the instructor or ask Mm -hmm. or be in certain spots. Yeah. There's a lot to it. Yeah. And you know, as someone who is not as able-bodied as my peers, it, it, it's a burden to always have to pull someone aside and say, Hey, this is what's going on. And not everyone understands it. And sometimes you just don't have the energy for it. And you just want to tune into yourself and tune into what feels right for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that prior to the last few years, I hadn't given myself permission to do that because I was like, well, exercise culture says I had to take this new surfboard yoga class I just made that up I've never taken a surfboard yoga class because I know my limits and I even knew them then yeah (laughs) um oops sorry but yeah so I think I think it's just it's just understanding where you're comfortable and then tuning out the noise for dieting I think that had to do like for a while I was eating while listening to classical music like just trying to do anything that enabled me to tune in while I was physically eating. Mm-hmm. And that helped a little bit. Taking the five breaths before I ate was, I think, the most helpful. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of the other thing that I've found I'm leaning more into now is understanding what I'm naturally satiated by and and tuning out the new the noise of what I quote unquote should eat. Like right? a, we, we made a lot of combos. I feel like together of what can we try? Like, I, I don't know why I always will forever think of you. And I think of Chobani flips now. <laughs> They're so good. <laughs> dessert yogurt. I was so into dessert yogurt for a while. I think that changed my life. I was like, wow, I could have dessert in the middle of the day, but it's this like beautiful yogurt with berries and chocolate and oh, it's so good. Like redefining some of those foods that Mm -hmm. you enjoy and rediscovering what, what, what you enjoy. Right. And why I enjoy that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the why is important for sustainability because, and, and that's, I think, I think that is the tie for both the intuitive or the, I'm going to say joyful movement and the joyful eating. Mm -hmm. It's understanding your why and leaning into that because that's the most natural motivator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so unique it has to be so unique to you and mm-hmm. to each person. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked a lot of the challenges, but what would you say right now is the is the most challenging part of where you're at? Um maybe we'll ask you I'm going to take that back. What was the most challenging part going through it? Like through our work together and then kind of this this next stage that you're at now? 
Oof. Um, Other than trying to convert everybody to be. Honestly, that is, that is my biggest challenge. And no said, said differently. And, and this isn't necessarily the hardest part of the time with you, because I actually felt like I had the community when I was with you. Um, But that is the hardest part is feeling like a, it's a minority mindset and it's a minority Mm -hmm. lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just hard. Right. Cause I would love to talk to people about this socially, like, you know, but it, it's, it all, food is a dangerous thing to talk about because it often, it often comes into, yeah, that was so good, but so bad, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, why'd you have to go there? Stop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one thing to have our internet friends, internet community, but then it is, like you said, when you step out, unfortunately into your day to day, the world, whether it's work, home, you know, gosh, so many places. It's just, it's a different language. Yeah. 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 So that was a, that is a continual challenge. I'd say the hardest part in going through the work I did with you was manifesting patience. Mm-hmm. Um, like we just mm-hmm. talked about, I, I'm a fast and, and like done. Like I want it done. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. Right. Like, let's just, let's just go, which works really well for me professionally. Uh, but personally I could certainly, um, use a little bit more grace in that. And I think, you know, even what we're just talking about with the dental nutrition is good example of it. Like it was frustrating at the time to say, Hey, wait, Amanda, like I understand you, we want to talk about that, but there's something here that we should dig into. And I say frustrating in like, not a like <laughs> aggravated way, but just like, Oh God, Katie, why do you bring that up? Why, like, I just want to be better now. Like, why, I just want to be done. Gotta, why can't you just sprinkled me with pixie dust right, and we'll be there. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Asking um, the hard, hard questions, doing the hard work. Yeah. Yeah. And challenging your true beliefs, right? Like I think we often, we so often, especially around food, put out a person, food and exercise, we have been conditioned to put out a persona of like, I got this, I'm handling this, I'm good, blah, blah, blah. And it's really like opening the challenge for me was, okay, let, let's be honest with myself. Let's be honest with Katie and let's, let's follow her lead and let her guide this with me to understand how to get to the goal because we both know the goal is the same. I might want it yesterday, and yeah. she might be like, no, the realistic timeline is not yesterday. Well, I think what's there. interesting too, is because you had already, like a lot of people come to me, not necessarily knowing intuitive eating, but you mm-hmm. were very much, oh, I know. So, so in a sense, you knew all the right things, air quotes to say, Yes. like, yes, I'm yeah. giving myself unconditional permission to eat. Like, like mm-hmm. you knew you had all the knowledge, but it was, uh, like I said, a lot of trial and error of applying that knowledge to you, applying it to your week, to what was going on and how that all shifted. Yeah. Um, I think we said at the time, I am an intellectual intuitive eater, but (laughs) it has not manifested in my body yet. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, I feel like Mm -hmm. I was just like, yes, I know everything. I'm good. I read all the books, but I, uh, I hadn't lived it in full yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that you said this part of your identity now though, too, because yeah. like once, once you learn it, once you do continue to have those, ex- those positive experiences 
around food, those new, you know, joyful experiences, it, it really does become something that you can't unlearn. Right. Well, and, you know, I was thinking about your, the latter half of your question of like, what's challenging moving forward. I think what's continuously challenging for me is, is body image. Mm -hmm. um, part of that is, is strength, right? Because I'm limited at this time. Um, and that is a continual storyline throughout my life. Mm -hmm. So there are times that I, I'm like, oh, you know, this is, it's, it's kind of frustrating to be in this body right now. And the thing that keeps me centered in it is, is one appreciation for those joyful movement experiences, but two, it's, it's appreciation for the joyfulness I've now found in food. And I'm, mm -hmm. I don't find shame in it. I don't find the swirl. It's, it's much more peaceful and it's much more joyful. Like uh, I have to, it's so funny that we're doing this today because dinner last night and breakfast this morning were both two of my previous fear foods. And I just ate them. I just ate them. Mm. And I was like, great. I'm, I'm so full. I'm so like satisfied. I'm great. Moving on. Let's go Amanda, for a walk. You're going to make me cry because <laughs> I, I really, like. I just hear the power and just knowing your story and just where it is that you've been. Like you, you just have no idea how happy that makes me for you to, to be in this moment, especially to head into holiday season. Like now I'm good. And, and the yeah. way you say it too, like you say it with such a light, lightheartedness that like, let's take a moment to just relish in that. Like, do you hear what yourself right now? Right. For sure. <laughs> well, this season would have, would have been a lot of anxiety for me in the past, for sure. I mean, this is tomorrow's Thanksgiving, right? It's like the biggest meal of the year. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, cool, let's, let's, let's cook some sides. What are we making? Like I would have been in a much different headset headspace um prior to this mm -hmm. so you've taken it a step further not only is it not stressful I love hearing that it's joyful like it's yeah. exciting it's fun it's yeah it's an experience mm -hmm. and it's a challenge right like there are still things intuitive within intuitive eating that I'm working on I mentioned body image and then the other thing I'm I'm still continuously working on as you can tell from my personality is just slowing down and appreciating the moment and like, <laughs> and, my and, personality. <laughs> like it's just not who I am but it's yeah. essential to to the experience of, of joyful eating and so like that is also what I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, we're going to have a great meal. And here's your challenge for tomorrow. Like you're mm -hmm. going to sit down, you're going to eat whatever you want to eat, but just make sure that you taste it. Make sure that you're there and you're present, not only with your friends and family, but with the, the nourishment. Look at you self-coaching already before you haven't had it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> what advice would you have? First of all, I can't even thank you enough. This has been so good. Just and so I love wonderful. chatting with you. Such a giant <laughs> love chatting with you. Could keep talking to you for hours. You what did, what advice would you have for somebody who really is on the fence about intuitive eating? Maybe they're like, Read okay, they're like, hey Amanda, convert me. <laughs> you know, I I would say the same thing I said earlier about people who challenge me. Read the introduction to the book, to to the book Intuitive Eating. I'm telling you, it 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 changed my entire perspective around what food is and how it's ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one. And, you know, I think the other thing is like, if you really tuned in and you really checked in with yourself, like, would you actually 
think if you were brand new on this planet would you think that controlling your food is what brings you happiness and that changing your body is what you're put on this earth to do like no Mm. you know do you really feel that this is aligned to what you want to spend your energy doing i'll say one other thing katie the the the, recently i've been exploring a, a new interest of mine through podcast media and through um reading different books and i was literally thinking about that this week how previously i don't think i would have had the mind space to explore something of a new passion that's important to me because so much of my energy and my anxiety was focused around my food and my body and my exercise. It's like, what would life look like if you alleviated that energy, that the amount of energy that you burn thinking about those topics, what else could you spend that on? Mm. That's what I would ask someone who's on the fence. Mic drop. (laughs) And we're done. That's good. That was so good. And so true though. And Again, I just love hearing this all from your mouth, like from your words, just knowing where you've been and, you know, the way you say that of it's, it's like this, if you're in another space that you couldn't even wrap your head around before, because you, like you said, didn't have the brain, the, the brain space or the capacity. Yeah. Or even like, you know, there's no food tracking on my phone. There's like, my phone is there for like new interesting things mm-hmm. like it's just everywhere it's it's everywhere you can free yeah. up so much stuff, stuff things energy energy yeah oh so good amanda okay i love to finish all episodes like this so i gotta know other than this conversation and the new blow dryer that i'm going to buy <laughs> based on what we talked about before <laughs> what's the best that's the best thing that's happened to my week what's the best thing that has happened to you this week um let's see oh um my best friend got engaged this weekend oh how fun did you know it was going to happen I had some clues I had I had my spidey senses out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that was really exciting and we've been you know best friends since we were in kindergarten so it was like you know New little adventure. So fun. So fun. Well, again, thank you, Amanda, so much for sharing your story, for sharing, you know, you just speak so well. And again, I could just go on and on (laughs) about how much I love you and our time together and our conversations. And I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks. You too. And, And thank you for everything and for having me. And hopefully we'll continue to have these conversations because I love them too. Me too. All right. Thankful for you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. If you liked this episode, don't forget to share it with a friend. You can subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Fit Friends Happy Hour. Talk to you next time.